Hello and welcome to the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Bundesliga. I'm Billy and with me as always is the FC Bayern to my Owen Hargreaves, Lewis. Hi, we've got a host of topics for you today, including a review of match day 30 in the Bundesliga, as well as some of the transfer news or the best and youngest transfer news of the season and a little bit of a roundup of the semi-final of the DFB Pokal. So, starting off, I wanted to get your thoughts, because obviously Bayern are going to win the league. Probably, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> probably at Wolfsburg, you know, again, was it eight in a row now? Yep, eight, eight in a row. I mean, to be fair, Juventus have done it. Uh, well, they've, they've already done the eight, so we're not the first ones to do it. But yeah, we'd be the first German club to do it. And I'd say there's very little standing in the way. Or better said, the only ones who are going to be able to screw that up are Bayern Munich themselves. Because no other team in the league at this point has got... The team or the players, I'd say, to actually beat them on their best day. You'd have to... I mean, every coach already now goes in saying, you're going to need a very good day and Bayern to have an okay day for, for you to even get any sort of points, let alone a win. Well, I'd, I'd think even if Bayern are having an okay day, even like that, you know, an off day, Bayern yeah. are still going to win. And the, the only team other than Dortmund, maybe Leipzig, that could have beaten you was Leverkusen. And without Kai Havertz, they sort of, they went, they went ahead, but they sort of faded away. I mean, it was 3-1 at the half at the, at the end of the day. So, you know, it's maybe, you know, with transfers and, and, and a real summer break, they might be able to, or and a real, you know, a, a real continuation of the season. The teams might have been in a be, in in better shape, but I think at the end of the day, Bayern just have right now too strong of a grip on uh, power in German football. Put it that way. Basically, they've. I mean, they just have, they just have resources that other clubs don't, and that's showing at the end of the day. Yeah, and with that, I'll be like, oh, you know, I've got written here that Leipzig stuttered last week. Obviously, last night they beat Hoffenheim 2-0. Danny almost yeah. scored twice. But, yeah. you know, they're, they're drawing games that, you know, you'd back them to win nine times out of ten. And they are in danger of, of losing that Champions League place if they don't put together a consistent run in the last few matches. Yeah, they they haven't, put it this way, they haven't produced, I'd say almost since the um, restart, they haven't produced what they did beforehand. I mean, there was a little bit of a slump in form at the beginning in January of the, um, or basically after the Christmas break, but I wouldn't say that they were terrible. They definitely were on a. They were definitely on track to making the top three. Um, they had a quite a quite a tight duel with Dortmund for second place, and then since the Corona break and the Bundesliga restart, they haven't found to that top form. I wouldn't say. You know, they seem to have been. I mean, I think you put it down in the last last episode as a a bit of naivety, and you know, just. Maybe it's down to them having a young team or a young coach, but they are they're definitely slipping behind expectations since the restart. Well, something I found some stats on online about Timo Werner. Since the Chelsea news broke, 
He's had three shots on target, two big chances missed, and has not scored. Granted, it's been two games, but the rate he was scoring, you'd have backed him to score against Hoffenheim, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I mean, these, these stats really do put it into perspective. And I think it can't be underestimated how much, you know, rumors like that might go to a player's head, especially if that player is young. Because, you know, he's, he's only in his fifth season of full-on professional football. And he's, he's, he's 23. And it might all be going a bit quick for him. So those stats, while they are surprising in and of itself, they it doesn't surprise me that the Chelsea transfer news seems to be going to his head a bit. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he picks up again and whether it's, if this is like a temporary slump, you know, once yeah. his head clear. But moving on, Hertha Berlin, their honeymoon period under their new coach, ended against Dortmund, but it wasn't a, a rampant Dortmund win. It was a quite a tight 1-0. Yeah, they basically have... I'd say Dortmund have Dortmund are you know still a little bit or they seem like they were still recovering a little bit from the shock of realizing that the title race is more or less over after their loss to Bayern. Uh, Bayern. I mean, yes, they smacked Paderborn six one, but you'd expect Dortmund to do that whatever team they had played beforehand. You know, second place versus eighteenth place. It's that's not really a that's not really a game to basically say uh yeah Dortmund haven't felt that loss it's it's a hard one berlin have looked much a different side they looked like a team that actually if they had stayed in that or if they had been playing like that from the beginning of the season they'd probably be cha- challenging for a europa league at this point but it's it still says a lot when your one goal comes from your center defensive midfield and it's only a 1-0 win. Exactly. And, but Hertha Berlin, they've been rejuvenated with this new coach. It, you know, we spoke about it last week with Schalke. You know, it begs to ask the question, is it not worth getting rid of David Wagner and bringing in a new coach to try and reinvigorate a team that shouldn't be where Schalke are? Well, it's, you say a team that shouldn't be where Schalke are, I'd say it's a club that shouldn't be where Schalke are because the team itself is a far cry from the team that was storming off to a, uh, to a Champions League semifinal in 2011 or even playing, you know, giving Real Madrid a run for their money in uh, 2015. So it's their team definitely needs a full on restructuring because they're, I mean, they're having a lot of players leave at the end of the season uh, Daniel Caligiuri is being linked with Augsburg as of this morning. Benjamin Stambouli is going to be leaving there, and they have a host of players leaving on loan. And you know, none other than Weston McKenney, who I feel has been one of Schalke's best players this season. It's a it's a team that very much has been in need of a complete rebuild, and I think the club also itself is. It's just a very precarious situation. You know, Schalke have been to the one club in the Bundesliga who've actually said, you know, financially we're screwed if we don't get the TV rights deal um, or the TV rights money. And, you know, for a club to say that, who have also been struggling and need a, need a full-on revamp of their whole squad, that's not exactly promising. So I'm not sure how much of that really can be tied down to David Wagner. Because the guy, I, th- I feel he did do so well with Huddersfield. 
yeah, he he did well. I think Huddersfield's issue it was more of a not having again. It was not having the players really. I don't really think it was down to him. But you look at some of the players that Schalke have lost in recent years. You know, Huntelaar obviously got too old and went back yeah. to Ajax. But Leroy Sane went to Man City. Leon Goretzka, yeah, Bayern. And they, I mean, yeah, they not they don't really have the. the it's it's another thing of they don't have the capacity to keep their star players because they just don't or they just can't offer Champions League year in, year out. It's sad. And, it, you know, it would be sad if they got, you know, got relegated, which, which would be a worst-case scenario. But, you know, next season, like you said, a, a revamp is desperately needed for that side, whether it's with David Wagner or whether it's with a new man at the helm. Yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely right. It's uh, it is just a precarious situation that they're uh, that they're in because one football also did a did a run through of all the all the you know possible places that each team could get, and Schalke still very much could end up you know in the relegation playoff spot in 16th. If you know, I mean, just mathematically speaking, so it's a it it isn't you can't you can't even say that they're safe safe from relegation, which is depressing because at the beginning of the season they clearly said their objective was we want to get at least Europa League, maybe even champ- challenge for Champions League. We feel that we are in that position to do or to achieve this. And now they're you know mid table. The only reason they're not in the relegation spot is because of their first their decent first half of the season. So yeah, it's not looking good. Well, going from a team in crisis to a team pushing for something good, Hoffenheim dropped more points at the weekend and again last night, uh, which is only good news for Wolfsburg, who beat Werder Bremen last weekend. Uh, they're at home. That was their phantom team as well. <laughs> they're at home to uh, SC Freiburg today, which again is another winnable game. It's and definitely a winnable game, yeah. If they beat Freiburg, that puts them, that will put them seven points clear of Freiburg in sixth place, and a clear, basically a safe spot in uh, the fight for European competition. Because no matter who wins the DFB Pokal, both teams have are definitely qualifying for a European uh, for a European competition. So Bayern are definitely playing Champions League. Leverkusen have the have the uh, chance to play Champions League and are safe and definitely in the Europa League. So it's a, for both book, this is definitely a prestigious uh, position to be in because that means European Cup competition for them next season. And it'll be good to see them back there because I think you said to me last night, it was 2015, 16, the last time they were in European yeah. football when they had Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, exactly. So the, they've, and both book is, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one because obviously they're a club that have uh, that you know they're not they haven't been constantly in the Bundesliga in the last thirty odd years, but they're a team that have you know because of the money injections also from Volkswagen they've definitely they've definitely been a side that have shown that they're capable of winning titles and I mean they did win the they were the last team other than Dortmund or Bayern to win the Bundesliga title, which is, you know, no small feat either. So 
they definitely have the potential to to make something uh, of themselves. So if they made European Cup competition, that'd just be cementing them in that position that they that they actually see themselves in. And it would be good to see them back there. And you touched on the DFB Pockle final. Yes. Just wanted to talk to you about that because it's Bayern against Leverkusen. I mean, you said yourself that you would have said that you would have rather seen a Leverkusen Frankfurt uh, final. Which I'll give you the I'll give you this. It would have been it would have made for a very interesting final. Also, would have meant that there would have been a Bayern upset, which also gives you know a solid amount of news. But that being said. I think it was a. I think it's still going to be a very good final because you do have two teams from the top six that are competing, and Leverkusen have shown that they're you know no, they're no small team this season, and especially if Kai Havertz makes him uh, or is fit again for that final, uh, you'll definitely have it, or we should be seeing a good game. I'd say Leverkusen. They basically it would have been a very big surprise if they hadn't made it through because. FC Saarbrücken is a fourth tier team and you know they had they enjoyed a great run but anything other than a 3-0 victory for uh, Leverkusen would have been a massive massive disappointment Frankfurt and Bayern are the on the other hand Bayern dominate the first half and then just I'd say almost they just show fatigue for the first time since the restart like proper fatigue and just can't you know put the final or the finishing touches on that game and, you know, allow Frankfurt to give Bayern a run for their money. So it is one of those things, but very much expected this final draw, but should make for a good final. You say chances are it's going to be another Bayern double and possibly a treble if the Champions League gets back up and running and things like that. Because Bayern are through against Chelsea anyway, barring some horrendous collapse. At the yeah. But it's Leverkusen's first cup final for 11 years. Yeah, that shouldn't be overlooked because they haven't... I mean, Leverkusen have always been know, ever, known ever since, uh, you know, their 2002... I, I wouldn't want to say glory year because that season marked the season where Leverkusen just came second in every single competition they were in. And their talisman at that time, uh, Michael Balak, I mean, he finished second in the Bundesliga, lost the final for the Pokal, lost the Champions League final, and lost the final of the World Cup all in the span of, you know, two months. And ever since then... Rock rise. Oh, exactly. And ever since then, you know, Leverkusen have been dubbed Vizekusen, which means, you know, almost Leverkusen. And, um, <laughs> yeah, depressingly so... But it's a it's good for the to see them back in it or back in a final and you know challenging for a title. Well, if you want to see something seamless and something abs- so smooth, it will make you cry with happiness. Oh yes, please do. Leverkusen's first final for eleven years. Moving swiftly to transfer news, could it be the last thing Kai Havertz does at Leverkusen? Oh, he's he's pulled that trend. He's just pulled that transition right out of the bag, and it's oh, it's oh, it's just smooth. It's just way too smooth. It's not just a hat rest. Oh, it's not just a hat rack, my friend. Not just a hat rack. <laughs> so, on the subject of that, the Kai Harvard's rumors won't go away, and we'll talk about Timo Werner in a minute. But there's three teams constantly being linked 
are constantly being thrown around as possible destinations. Uh, yeah. Bayern, yes. Leicester United and Chelsea, who seem to be the most concrete one at the moment. But all Chelsea the- are a new one, though, because all of a sudden they just came in and basically... I mean, Timo Werner, that news came almost... Out of nowhere. Yeah, it was because everyone was saying, you know, if he's going to go somewhere to either Bayern or, uh, or uh, Liverpool, and then he's, he himself, you know, made an in, or had gave an interview after, after a match where he more or less shot himself in the foot by saying, by, you know, saying, I'm, I'd rather go uh, abroad than go to Bayern. And then, you know, if nothing's concrete, you're basically closing the door on, on that option. And everyone was basically saying, you know, Liverpool, that'll that'll be the that'll be it, and nothing nothing more doing because Klopp's a fan of of Werner. But then Chelsea coming out of le- basically, as they would say in the U.S., way out of left field. They seem to be going on a transfer offensive that is trying to make up for lost time with their transfer ban. Yeah, and I don't want to make this, uh, you know, all about Chelsea because you know I'm not Chelsea's biggest fan, but. <laughs> You know, a guy from the United top. No. <laughs> okay. I'm a journalist. I'm impartial. It's fine. And, I mean, I don't see any problems, you know. It's just, okay, I've got a picture of you in a rival top, so... so no, you don't. We're, we're not... No, no. Mac about me, it's going online. But Tammy Abraham... Yeah. Tammy Abraham was touted as England's next big number nine. Uh, who said something? Who said? I swear we were we were talking about this as well. And someone I forget who I want to say was one of our, one of our friends. We he definitely said that you know Tammy Abraham. He's not more than a championship striker. Is that harsh? I I think it might be because he did all right this season for Chelsea. He had you know obviously he can't score consistently. Not every striker can score consistently all season. Yeah. But Tammy Abraham's done all right. You know, he's done that thing. He went on loan to different divisions. and I mean, I think he's had a good, he's he's had a good development. He's got 19 goals this season. Uh, 17 in... Oh, yeah, yeah, 17 in the Premier League, I think. Yeah. Could be wrong with that. No, it's 13 goals and 25 appearances in the Premier League for this That's season. The That's the one. But it's, it's weird because he was, you know, Chelsea born and bred, you know, went on loan and proved himself, coming to Frank Lampard's young team. Let's be honest, he didn't have a choice. But, yeah, exactly. You know, it's not a bad return for a 22-year-old. Timo Werner is a year older. And correct me if I'm wrong, this is his best scoring season. Uh, definitely is. I mean, 20... Here's the thing as well, because it is a bit of a... It is a bit harsh to compare Timo Werner and Tammy Abraham, because Tammy Abraham is basically, you know, your... I'd say he's he is he is more or less the dream for any youth player who is playing for the academy of one of the top clubs in Europe. And basically, you know, you 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 get out on loan, you you know, you make a little bit of a name for yourself, you show that you can uh, you can perform at a in basically different environments, and you know, you can, you show that you may have what it takes, and uh, you show that you should be given a chance at a top side. And basically, you just need time. And it is very much, I think, Tammy Abraham is the perfect example of trusting the process because he's, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't agree with the fact that he's just a championship striker because as, I mean, oh, God, no. stats speak, for, yeah, exactly. He, the stats speak, speak for themselves. So if you, if you look at his stats and his performances and just overall, you know, the way he's, or basically his career so far, he is, 
he is the epitome of trust in the process. Chelsea now throwing a talent like Timo Werner, who is by no means comparable because this guy made his Bundesliga debut at 17 and stayed there. He didn't just make his debut and, you know, fade away after scoring a couple of goals. Like, um, uh, Jan Fita Ab, um, from Hamburg, you know, he was also touted as one of the next big things when he made his Bundesliga debut at 17 and scored two goals right off the bat in his first two matches. And now he's playing for the Bayern reserves. You know, it's, it can go two very different ways, but Vanna has just shown and he cemented himself in the Bundesliga and throwing Timo Vanna at Tabby, Tammy Abraham is a bit unfair almost to Tammy Abraham because Abraham knows he is not going to be starting. It's a weird, and we spoke earlier about the, the stats since the Chelsea rumours of, or the Chelsea news has come out. Yeah. Is it a big, you know, is it a player that doesn't have a big club mentality yet? Because, you know, no disrespect to Leipzig, when they signed Timo Werner from Stuttgart, they weren't something oh, they, to, yeah. to make a big fuss about. But a move to Chelsea, one of England's top six and one of the biggest teams in Europe, hate saying that (laughs) it's like that one it's like that one instagram post i saw that someone touted chelsea alongside barca 2011 real madrid 2016 to 18 and Bayern munich 2013 as being one of the top four teams of the decade which you know i was majorly triggered by you're just salty because they beat you in your own backyard in the Champions League final. I, I really don't. I mean, we, we don't have to bring that up. Um, it, please, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Yeah, another player. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to we're gonna move away from a triggering topic for a second. But Kyle, does he have a big club mentality? How are you going to figure that? Or how are you going to know if you don't take the chance? Exactly. It is the best time for him to take this chance. He just scored 25 goals in the second best league in the world for a team that are very much Champions League or have, the, have Champions League ambitions. So I don't, I don't see, you know, he, he, he definitely was, his time, the time was right for a transfer. If it, if it, was supposed to go to Chelsea or, you know, if Chelsea's the right club for him, that's a whole different story. But for him to make the move now, I think is, it is the right time. Okay. I'm going to hit you with, I'm going to hit you with a, with a quote from Robbie Fowler. who's one of the Premier League's better strikers. Okay. I think I might even know which one you're talking about. (laughs) He's only going to be a Chelsea player because no one else was willing to pay his release clause. People are talking like he's Van Basten, and for the life of me, I don't know why. We've seen struggling clubs pay over the odds before, and that's what Chelsea have done here. Okay, we're going to pick this quote apart a little bit. (laughs) I want to start off. It's £54 million or €60 Euros overpaying for someone like Timo Werner. Oh, yeah, exactly. So this is why we're going to pick this quote apart. You posed the perfect question right there, which is, is paying over is it overpaying when you're paying 60 million euros for a guy who just scored 25 goals in 30 appearances in my opinion Robbie Fowler's on crack if he thinks that's the case because I mean come on you know 25 goals in 30 appearances and you're saying 60 million is overpaying especially given 
how much, you know, Joao Felix, for instance, moved for. He moved for $126 million last summer, and he didn't have nearly the season that even Kai Havertz is having this season. I mean, you talk about overpaying, that's overpaying. But $60 million for a guy who just scored 25 goals in 30 appearances, nah, not quite. Well, Second, Robbie Fowler, you know, <laughs> historically a Liverpool legend. Yeah, so he's not going to be rooting for Chelsea anyway. Maybe there's a little bit of salt involved in that statement. Because if Liverpool were in for Kai Harvard, uh, for He'd be changing his tune. He 100% would be changing his tune. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, though. And also, I'm going and I'm going to hate myself for saying this, and you will as well, but how much are Chelsea really struggling? They're still in the top six. I, th- I think it's just the fact they've not, they didn't have a transfer window they didn't have two transfer windows. So, whereas United could go and buy, you know, Liverpool didn't really buy that. They bought Mino Mina from Salzburg. But everyone else around Chelsea, in, well, bought to improve, whether they did improve or not. Is a different yeah, but that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is you can't base off of, or just, be, just based off the transfer window, they're not, I wouldn't say they're struggling because, I mean, that this goes back to in England, you know, general generally how I'd say the media and the press should just don't have any patience for the process, uh, as I think Guillaume Balaguer once said, uh, that there's not enough respect for the process. But it's it's one of those things where I'm just saying, you know, give Lampard some time. He's already done some fantastic stuff with the squad that he was given. And also the, you know, the average age of that squad. I think he's done a very good job so far. So I'd say that his, that quote is, I mean, you might be right. It's just a tribute to the fact that, you know, he's a bit salty about not getting Vanna to Liverpool. Okay. Just, well, one of the incendiary comments there, but yeah. <laughs> you can't really make a judgment on Timo Werner. One, if he does move, there's been no official confirmation yet from either yeah. uh, Leipzig or Chelsea. And, you know, you've got to give him at least two seasons. But I want to move on to Kai Havertz quickly before we talk about two others. So, so, much, for, so much for waiting with the whole team of Vienna, but yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the three clubs, United, Chelsea and Bayern, have been thrown around. But the prices contradict each other. Very much so. Like, uh, Leverkusen want, was it you told me, in excess of 100 million euros. Mm-hmm. So basically, they don't want to back down for less than a. Um, they don't want to back down for less than nine figures in euros, obviously. So that mean, meaning meaning they definitely won't back down uh, down off of their hundred million price tag. And they're saying this, they're saying this with the, um, and I mean they put this out in a statement almost, or their sporting director did, that they would keep this mentality even though Corona is impacting the transfer market and each club's finances, which means they're not playing around. They really mean that they're going to stay at the 100 million mark and anyone who doesn't get that is not going to get it. Well, it's a, it's a win-win for Leverkusen at the end of the day because if he goes, they get nine figures. If he yeah. stays, they've got arguably one of the best players in the Bundesliga for at least another year. And I'm I wanted mean, to, I wanted yeah, to he's, that. He's contractually, he's contractually obligated till 2022 which means they have no pressure to sell exactly and he's just turned 21 a few days ago yeah in your opinion would it be better to stay at Leverkusen for a season or two more 
and develop his game where he knows he can play well, rather than risk a move to a a rail, you know, a buy-in or where the pressure will be on him instantly. Def- definitely. I wouldn't say, or I'd say that he should, or it'd probably be in his best interest to stay another year, but I wouldn't say that he doesn't have the skill or the mental, um, the mental strength to not already make this move this summer. So if he may, I'd say if he made, if he did, if he did have, or the, if there was a Kai Havertz transfer, I wouldn't say he wouldn't um, he wouldn't make it this season. That being said, it I think his best option would be to stay at Leverkusen for another year. And this is not just down to you know his playing, but it's also down to the fact that the coronavirus is base, is impacting or the way it's impacting the transfer market and football in general. You just can't foresee what is going to happen at this point. So it's. I just say to you know to wait out for another season and basically wait till things are you know to a relatively normal state. And I say relatively normal, you know, with a pinch of salt, obviously because it's still going to be a while till everything's relatively normal. But until you have a relatively normal season and you know not a big break in the middle of it, I'd probably. I mean, if I were him, I'd probably wait. Okay, that's quite interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I mean, I think, what was it? I forget if it was United or Chelsea who offered only 70 million. And, you know, you're just way off their asking price. Yeah, I think I don't think United have offered anything. I think it's just talks and it's like... Oh, just, yeah, probably just rumour all that. Interested in him. Well, everyone's interested in him because he's one of the better players in that position for his age. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even say just for his age. I'd say just in general. I mean, name me a centre-attacking mid. You know, you, I could probably only name a handful of centre-attacking mids better than him. Yeah, I think I'd struggle to name to name a lot more. Exactly. And talking about one of the better players in their position, and one I'm quite excited about to see if it happens. <laughs> Clearly, Sancho. You're going to be you've been dreaming of a transfer to United for Jaden Sancho for the la- for the better part of a season. I really have. I really thought it would happen last year. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he wasn't. I was actually surprised when he stayed last season, but now I'm almost saying that it, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed after this season as well, because just they may, or Dortmund may not be as pushy as Leverkusen for a hundred million, but I don't think Dortmund are also trying to get less than a hundred million for Jaden Sancho. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, yeah, I think you're probably right there, but there's some interesting things that have happened recently. So Dortmund, apparently, according to you know, the people in the know, are losing patience with his off-field behaviour. Because he flew to England to get his hair cut. Which, you know, is just a tad extra. You know, and he was fined €8,000 for it. And he, he put on Twitter, you know, slamming Absolutely. the, yeah. slamming the, the, the uh, German Football Federation for it. And I'm going to... That's just a typical 19-year-old who just doesn't understand, you know, the position he's in and the problem he's just caused. Put it that way. Yeah, it's a difficult one. And I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Mar- Mar- Marcel? Markel? Zork? Uh, I think it's not Mike. Uh, Michael uh, Zork. Or okay. Michael Zork, if you're uh, German. Okay. We'll call him Mr. Zork. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, I guess that works. <laughs> For those not Germanly inclined, Mr. Zork 
quoted as saying, you know, sometimes it's not easy for us, you know, when a player goes and when they're off-field antics, essentially screw with what's going on. And Oli Gunnar Solskjaer this week, just gone, said that he won't be signing any bad apples for his team. Like he wants them to have the right attitude to slip right in, regardless of how good Jaden Sancho is. If there's anything that's going to stop this transfer, it won't be the transfer fee. It will be how Solskjaer views the player's attitude. Yeah, I, you can also, I mean, just take a look at, you know, the players that Dortmund have sold for big money and have been their stars in recent years. You know, prime example being Usman Dembele, the guy striked his way to Barca, uh, to Barcelona. And as good as he was, I don't think any club at the minute is dying to get him because his attitude is just shit. You know, it's that it is, there's no other way to describe it. The best comment, I think, was made by, uh, by at the time, still president of Bayern, Uli Hoeneß, who said, you know, if those players had been at Bayern, they would never, we would never have even given, given them the leash to, or the, uh, the slack to even try a stunt like that. You know, they would have been, they would have been on a way tighter leash and they would have, definitely not had the chance to you know hold the club ransom like that and it's been a bit of a pattern at Dortmund because you know uh, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang similar a similar deal also you know towards the end of his Dortmund tenure didn't he refuse to train or something like he refused to turn up team exactly so he also towards the end of his Dortmund tenure he basically I mean he showed bad attitude as well just to um just to be able to make a transfer happen. And if I, it's almost a thing of if Jaden Sanders is not careful, he'll go down the same road. Yeah, and there's obviously, he's a fantastic player, great talent, Jaden Sancho. But, you know, I, I use this example a lot. Ravel Morrison was in the mm-hmm. same youth team at United as Paul Pogba, Jesse Lingard. Yeah. And, everyone raves about how much better Ravel Morrison was than Paul Pogba. Yeah. But his attitude was just, you know, he didn't have the drive. He didn't have the, the, the right attitude. He'd disobey team orders and things like that. And if you start down that path at a young age, like Sancho is now, then a big team won't take a chance on you. They won't spend a hundred million on you. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you know you look at you look at Barcelona now like uh, what has Dembélé achieved at Barcelona? It's everyone's saying the guy was better than Kingsley Coman at that point. You know what's he achieved at this point? Nothing really. He hasn't shown that he's he's a star winger. I could name right off the top of my head at least ten wingers who are better than him, more effective, and. More, more likely, more, uh, more likely than not, probably costs a solid thirty million less. Well, I mean, Serge Gnabry for one cost you next fifteen mil. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like even Leroy Sané, miles better than the guy, and it's probably going to cost you know less than seventy mil. Also makes for a perfect segue into our next transfer topic. <laughs> now, Talking about seamless transfers. I've not got a great amount to say on Sane because I know you, you're quite keen on him, but I just wanted to... That's an understatement, but yes. <laughs> he's been injured for a while and there are questions over his attitude. 
because uh, Pep Guardiola dropped him for a game against Newcastle because his attitude was that poor. And he's been playing Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling, even when Sane was fit. Yeah, so here's the thing. Attitude-wise, I can there is definitely you can't count that out because also, apparently, Löw was... Uh, so Joachim Löw, um, Germany's coach, ahead of the 2018 World Cup... And we're talking, this is a season where Sané was just voted PFA Young Player of the Year. You know, it would have been, any, any and every sports pundit was saying it would be a crime against football not to take him. You know, anyone, anyone with eyes in his head would take him. And yet he's left out of the World Cup squad. You know, it's, it's and I'd say, and the rumors going around, you know, obviously these aren't exactly confirmed, but more or less, yet they were. Uh, in you know interviews afterwards, obviously because everyone wanted to know why he wasn't going. So I think in that sense, Luf almost confirmed as well that he did have or he was questioning Sane's attitude, um, and it wasn't just the fact that Sane didn't may or may not have fit into the Germany squad. That being said, after the World Cup 2018 when Löw started to rebuild the Germany squad and started taking a lot more younger players, Leroy Sané was one of his first picks. So I, I think it is, it is very valid to say that, you know, has Leroy Sané got the attitude to fit in at Bayern because Bayern is very much a team and organization mentality club and never putting, you know, the individuals first. Because I'd say, I, and I'd say that, if, if if Bayern are going to sign him or try and sign him, they definitely will be thinking about this. And seeing as how, you know, how badly they do want to sign him, I'd say that they've vetted him enough and have said that, you know, even if his attitude isn't exactly where it's at, they obviously his skill level outweighs that and, you know, outranks that. Hence why they're going ahead or trying to go ahead with the transfer. Yeah, because you're still... Te- still technically in the process of replacing Front Ribery and Iron Robin. Like, yeah, oh, you've, got, so. you've got Coman and Gnabry, but is Coman still injured or has he just come back from injury? He's just come back from injury and he is very injury prone. And having a player like Sane Iran is only, you know, you think a professional player, it would push them to get better, you know, to say, oh, screw you, I'm better than you, I want that. That place exactly. Because also you you also have to think about the fact that then you really need do need you know four wingers, because wingers are definitely the most injury prone because they're the most active when it comes to you know attacking play. They're the most likely to get fouls or to draw fouls, and thus they'll be injured more often. So you definitely need a solid base of wingers, and you can't just go into a season with you know two wingers and hope that they'll not get injured during the season. So. If Bayern do end up having, you know, Gnabry, Coman, Perezic, and Sané for their wings, that's ridiculous. And that'd be a good setup. Exactly. And then you're pretty much set all around, to be honest. Maybe, yeah. maybe a half-decent backup striker. Yeah. Not that you but really- I mean, I'd say even we leave that because, you know, we're trying to get one of our youth players through, uh, Joshua Tsukze, who, you know... Comes in cold, makes his Bundesliga debut, scores the 90th minute winner against Freiburg in December, and does it again. You know, a week later. Oh, is that the uh, is that the poor man's Mason Greenwood? Oh yeah, I, I remember. You, you do love to quote this. Uh, 
we don't know how good Mason Greenwood and Sokte will be. We, he might, I mean, Mason Greenwood definitely stats wise now has more goals. I'll give you that. But, you know, you don't know where they're going. Give it a bit of time. But, <laughs> Sorry, it's fine. We'll, we'll, uh, it's, we'll, we'll see in a few years. Exactly. When they're both dueling for, you know, the European crown of best number nine. Although, is Mason Greenwood really a full on number nine? I oh, can play anywhere across that front three, to be honest. He's more of a Marcus Rashford type player, isn't he? Yeah, but he's been called the most natural finisher at United, which... Wow, okay, that's a big shout as well. It's a big shout by the manager, who himself was one of the most natural finishers I've seen highlights of, <laughs> which is mad. But anyway, I can't wait for Xerxes to go on loan to Frankfurt in a few years' time. In a few years, he might already be there at that point, you know, in the next two years' time. Because at this point, he's, you know, he's going to be gunning for playing time. The kid's 18, 19 now. You give him playing time now, you don't know what he's going to do. Exactly. That's, you know, what's happened with Mason Greenwood. He's given, been given play time and it's completely yeah. it's exploded for the boy. But one last bit of transfer, I think. We've talked about Timo Werner to Chelsea. Uh, the possible replacements for Leipzig. Now, Werder Bremen's... And I'm going to butcher this. Milo Ratchitzer. Yeah. Yeah. Been thrown around, but. He's more, I'd say he's almost more of a winger type than really a striker. He definitely can play in that, in that position. And, you know, he is also more of a Timo Vena type striker in that sense, because he's, you know, he's of the shorter and faster variety rather than, you know, the target man in the middle. So I'd say would be a it wouldn't be a bad lineup uh, or a bad a bad replacement to for Leipzig to you know line up or have in the back of their minds at least when it comes to um, a possible Vena transfer. How much he really be will be able to you know help Leipzig and make that jump from struggling club to club with Champions League aspirations? Who knows? But. I'd say it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a bad one to think about. Yeah, and even if Leipzig wanted to play him wide, they've still got Schick to play yeah, in the exactly. line, which would be a more conventional setup with two wingers and a very true number nine. Yeah, exactly. But we'll leave it there for today. So a couple things to look out for. You know, obviously there's more transfer news, but it's Bayern v. Borussia Mönchengladbach. Tonight, yeah. Saturday, today, time of recording. So that could essentially seal you, seal your title for you. I don't know how much of a seal, title sealing thing it is because I'd say that that title sealing one was really Dortmund. But it would definitely, you know, it would prove it almost beyond reasonable doubt that uh, that you know, Bayern do make do become Bundesliga champions this season. Well, there we go. We'll have to wait and see. So, it's goodbye from me. For me, also, stay tuned for next week's episode. We'll have everything from match day thirty-one to any more transfer news. Maybe we'll see something concrete taking place. But that's all from us this week. <laughs>